0: Hey guys, I'm Mandy B. Anderson and you're listening to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm the chief creative officer, a motivational speaker, and a life and business coach at a company called Rayma Team. I'm also thriving in the face of a life-threatening illness called cystic fibrosis. This weekly podcast is a series of real life stories and conversations meant to encourage you with hope and more importantly, equip you with action steps to transform your life, your career, and your relationships. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. Hey guys, before I dive into the next episode, I wanted to tell you guys something. So Rachel and I were hanging out one day and we had a thought. Wouldn't it be cool if we could hang out with you guys every Monday night for the rest of 2020? We think so. We would love to give you some coaching each week and some insight and basically a weekly Monday night pep talk. That's what we're calling it. So join us every Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Central Time for a free 20 maybe 30-minute conversation with your coaches, myself and Rachel Perman from REMA Team. This is for all busy professionals and growth-minded individuals that want to climb higher this year and just need to get some weekly motivation. So go on over to ramateam.com forward slash Monday pep talk and register so you can get the call details and the recordings if you can't make it. Again, that registration link is www.raymateam.com forward slash Mondaypeptalk. We can't wait to spend every Monday night with you. Okay, grab your coffee and let's dive into this episode. Overcomers, welcome to a brand new episode. I am so excited for you to hear today's guest. I I have to forewarn you, this is probably one of the longest episodes that I have had to date. And it's one of my most favorite conversations with, with somebody that I greatly admire and respect. So I'm just tickled pink that Jonathan Stark agreed to be on the podcast with me so we we have quite the conversation let me tell you. We talk about anxiety and mental health, we talk about toxic leadership, toxic church culture, spirituality, everything in between. It is quite the conversation and you're you're really in for a treat to be able to hear from this amazing wise man. So let me tell you about my friend Jonathan. Jonathan Stark is a native to the great state of Colorado, where he currently resides with his lovely wife, Sarah, and two amazing kids, Zion and Loxley, and we can't forget his fur baby, Calamity Jane, CJ for short. Jonathan is a former worship pastor turned IT coding enthusiast and now works for the amazing company, The Perfect Workout, while leading worship part-time for Vintage City Church. In his spare time, he enjoys playing shows around Colorado, doing anything active and outdoors, watching basketball or football, and more than anything, he loves spending time with his family. So grab your coffee and let's hang out for this amazing conversation with my dear friend, Jonathan. All right, Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here.
0: It's, it's so fun to see you. We've, we've talked on Facebook and Instagram through the last few years since you moved away from, from the same town that we both used to live in, but it's just so great to to hear your voice. And I have always enjoyed our conversations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's always been so much gold in our conversation and I'm glad we've been able to stay in touch too.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think before we go into anything else, um, tell, cause, cause you guys, we have quite the topic that we're going to talk about, but before we do that, I really want to let you share like what your background is and, um, especially like your creativity and your music background, but also what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Man, that's a, I'll try and shorten it. Basically, my background is that, I mean, I've just been a musician by trade for a very long time. Um, I grew up, my dad was a worship pastor, so I grew up a pastor's kid. Um, But just looking up to him and that, like, I used to always say it when I was a worship pastor, like, I was one of the few people that I got to actually, like, say, like, I'm going to be like my dad when I grow up. And I actually got to do that, which is really cool. But, um Man, uh went through worship school in general and then graduated that, was a touring musician, uh, met my wife because I was a touring musician and then was a worship pastor for a good while and uh yeah, ended up here now where I live in Colorado and I work for a company called the Perfect Workout that I love. It's been my absolute favorite job I've ever had. And I work in IT for them and it's just been a wonderful wonderful journey, long experiences, uh, but great journeys.
0: And you are married with two kids, is that right? Yes, ma'am.
1: Yeah, I'm married to my wonderful wife, Sarah, and I've got two kids, Zion, who's about to be four, and Loxley, who's about to be two.
0: Wow. How has life changed since you became a parent?
1: Uh, It's just gotten way busier. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) it's way more fun too. Like there's so much fun to be around and it just is constantly like every day is a new, you just don't know what's going to happen because their personalities are always developing. Mm -hmm. So like a new personality comes out every day and it's just so much fun. Mm -hmm. So yeah.
0: What is it like for you as a musician? Because I know the, the albums that you've recorded and that you've written are not worship albums. Right. So what how do you describe your music and what has it been like to walk that line of being a worship pastor plus a musician just for fun?
1: Yeah. So I it's funny because I used to get that question a lot when I would tour and I would sometimes get booked at churches and they're like, so do you write Christian music? And I'd be like, no, I don't. And they, it's just the offense that came over these people when they asked that. And I was like, no, I don't write Christian music um, because. Ultimately, like the way I try and balance it out too, to kind of bring some like harmony into those relationships was like, you know, I write about my life. I write about my experiences. I write about the things that I go through and I try not to make them all heavy subjects. Like even if it is a heavier subject, I try and give like a positive outlook towards the end of it. And however that may look and however that may resolve in that song. But to me, that that is the reflection of God is just life. Life is developed in God. It's like rooted in God. So my experiences are always carried out through that, and it doesn't have to be like ending with like you know this girl broke my heart, but Jesus saved me and made me feel Mm -hmm. better. Like it might have been like a, but I found out that there's hope at the end of the tunnel, and like I'm gonna make it out alive, Mm -hmm. and try and put those like pepper those kind of experiences in. So I never never declared it to be Christian music, but I try to put a balance in there, you know, because ultimately you want to write for everyone, not just. One select group, I guess mm-hmm.
0: yeah I've had the opportunity to share some of my music with you. Yeah. Um, we'll see if we collaborate together sometime in the future and get yeah. some music on iTunes just for the fun of it. Yes, but um, I'm, I'm kind of the same way like i I grew up in the church and singing special music at churches because back then worship music wasn't like the thing you would do, and when I started writing. I think the first album I ever wrote was a lot of Christian music, but through the years, when I go through hard things, I, I write songs that are about life and there's really not, um, the, it's its kind of like the same thing with you. It's not like the end of it is, oh, but Jesus it's a lot of it is questioning, like questioning life. And for me, yeah. that's how music and poetry and creativity works is it helps me kind of make sense of the world And I've really come to appreciate the people that have such close relationships with God and also realize that their music is still, it's still a form of worshiping God because it's using the gifts and talents that he gave them.
1: Yeah, totally. I fully agree with that. Yeah.
0: So when I asked you, um, like, hey, would you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> um, I, ha- I always have my podcast guests fill out a form of like, okay, what are some things you're passionate about? What topic would you like to talk about? And here's, here's what you wrote down in case, in case um, you forgot. So it is, what is something challenging that you have overcome? Um, toxic church culture anxiety, a change in career from something I put a lot of time into to something I never thought that I would be doing. Um, You even wrote like mental breakdowns. And these are all topics that I think people want more and more of because when they reach the point of their life where they are going through something like that, they want to hear from somebody who's been there, not somebody who's hypothetical about it. So let's kind of talk about that. What is your experience with all of those challenges and what, what do we need to get better about um, being real and honest about? Let's just go wherever the conversation takes
2: us.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I guess the best way to start in that list of items would be um, like toxic church culture which honestly could just be attributed to like really just toxic culture in your, like whatever mm-hmm. your environment may be. Mine was church culture because that's what I was embedded in. That's what like, that was the career that I poured into and thought this is where I'm going to be forever. So um, yeah, and all of those kind of trigger each other. So like, I guess my background in that would be, you know, I think the church and is, uh, this might be a really like, like atomic bomb drop to start everything, but I think like the church as a whole is struggling in their culture leadership wise because a lot of it is uh, your requirement is to be like a very put together human being because that's biblical, so they say, and it's also something that when you get up in front of like this entire grouping of people, it doesn't matter if your church is ten people or if it's like ten thousand. When you get up there, you're supposed to be able to like stand in front of them and be like. The Bible says this and God is good and he's going to carry me through all of this stuff, which is true. But like you're never allowed to have like those insecurities or those. But at the same time, like I believe this. But when I go home, I'm like, is it really going to happen? Like, do I really, really fully believe this? Like you wrestle with these things, but you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to have an emotion in anything that you do. You're not allowed to um, question those that are above you even though it's welcomed, like, Hey, like let's have some free dialogue. And then you question it. And then they're like, Oh, are you questioning the leadership? And you're like, Oh, I thought this was open conversation type situations. Um, So like, I think that's like a very shortened version of where I feel is like a lot of church culture is struggling. Being at the staff level of it was where it really shook me because to me, like, If I'm going to be like really vulnerable and honest, and especially as like a man, like I, I have like a lot of emotions and it's something that I've learned about myself is that I am an emotional person. And I don't think that's bad because I think it's worked for me in my favor once I started learning about it and understanding it better. But that's something that, you know, you're not supposed to work on an emotions in, in church culture. If you have an emotion about something that is probably not God, because he would give you a clear answer. He would make it very, very understandable for you. And you would have this like wishy-washy emotions, if that makes sense. Um,
0: That makes total sense. And I'm right there with you. Like, oh, that is what so many people struggle with is how do I handle the emotions of being human and having questions?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And walk through that and grow closer to God and grow my faith in him when I might not have examples of that in front of me in the current religion setting that I'm at Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so so I went through a lot of that like just trying to navigate you know I, I never really felt like I had a mentor in the process that I was going through so a lot of it was just kind of stumbling over my own like clumsy feet and figuring out what life looked like as a leader for every situation that I went to and so um like a lot of that led up to which would I guess take us into the idea of anxiety was I had taken a new job um, after like another string of jobs that I had been through as a worship pastor in when I got to this new church um, everything was great like it was it was an upgrade for us for sure it looked like very promising it was going the direction that we wanted to with like what I felt my career was supposed to be with like writing at a church and developing like these great musicians like, killer team that I got to be a part of, like, so, so talented. And then, like, two months in, like, I very, very specifically remember the day that we were driving over to some of our friend's house to celebrate Sarah's birthday. And we're on the interstate. And out of nowhere, I feel this, like, it felt like a pop in my left, like, almost like armpit, like, where, like, your arm meets your body. And then I just felt, like, electricity go through the entirety of my arms, my chest, And then all of a sudden, like, it was like panicky. I'd never experienced that before. And I was like, what is going on? And I remember pulling off into the parking lot of a grocery store. And as I was like pulling off, I remember like holding Sarah's hand, looking at her. And for some reason in my head, I was like, just tell her you love her because you're about to die. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like, I'm dead. Like, I'm 28 years old and I'm having a heart attack. Life is over. This is how I go out. And like, no understanding whatsoever of what was going on. And that started like this whole journey of being stuck in toxic culture, but also not understanding that I was allowed to experience a mental breakdown. Like that's what I was starting to go into is having panic attack after panic attack. Mm -hmm. Like they were just nonstop for every day, basically since I like from when I woke up to when I went to bed, I was in some kind of form of fight or flight mode and Mm -hmm. trying to navigate and not be week for my team and for mm-hmm. the church that I was supposed to be helping lead, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, yeah, so that was, that, that began, goodness, that was like 2015, I think. And I can confidently say last, just this past September and October is when I finally walked out of like panic attacks and it took wow. me about close to five years five years mm-hmm. to like actually navigate it and find like solid mental health and find like peace with some of the stuff that I was battling with that we can, we can definitely open up, um, in different questions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, um, so that was kind of like the toxic church culture mixed with anxiety and mental breakdown. If that all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and I think, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing that because you've said so many things already that, I think my listeners can really grow from and realize that, okay, these are not just things that women deal with. This is a human being, emotion and situation. We all deal with this. And I really appreciate that you said, you know, as a man, I have emotions and we need to know that because I think one of the things that I hadn't planned on saying, but we're going to, with this whole female empowerment movement, we can, really uh, do a disservice to the men that are um, wise and great quality men because we kind of walk around thinking, yeah, female empowerment, who's the man? They can't tell us what to do. And at the same time, having to take a step back and realize, okay, wait, but they have emotions too. And just because we experience the world differently because of the way that culture is in general doesn't mean that their input isn't valid. And I think it's just finding a way to communicate it where everybody's heard and validated. And validation does not mean you agree or that you even condone what's happening, but it's that you hear them. And I think in leadership, we we don't see that very often, especially in churches. Like I would agree with you. I think that there are there there is a a lot of problems within church leadership. And as is in any organization. I mean, it is tough to be a leader. And sometimes I think even the church leaders have more, almost more pressure put on them to get it right because they're supposed to be that example of walking with God and um, hearing from God. And at the same time, we can all hear from God. We don't have to depend on leadership to hear for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I would add in kind of like what you were talking about, um, which is almost kind of like the men versus women thing. Like, I think, um, like when we saw it kind of pop up, if you saw the thing, it was a Joyce Myers. Somebody like went after, I think it was Joyce Myers. I I think actually
0: Beth Moore has really been taking a stand on some things.
1: Yeah. And I remember it was some like panel and there's just all these guys sitting up there and somebody like just took a shot at her. And that like caused this huge stir in this conversation about men and women in ministry and all that stuff. Um, but like, you know, I think it's just been so like the patriarch has been so like oppressive in that situation that it has to it had to be like the puff up your chest. Mm-hmm. I'm a man and I'm strong, and I can lead these people better than any woman ever could. instead of, you know what? Like instead of like a man being emotional and that being like, oh, he's more effeminate or whatever. and then like a woman having a stronger personality and being a great leader, oh, she's more like she's more of like the male figure in this relationship. Like it should be this, I don't understand why you don't envy each other. And like the fact that if there's a woman who has emotional reactions to things, it's not a weakness. It's a strength Mm -hmm. that like what I'm learning from my own self, it's a strength. I just need to learn how to use it. Mm -hmm. But being able to like see a woman who's strong in that and be like, I admire that woman instead of being like, Oh, I'm kinda like a woman. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's not not a bad thing at all. Like and it should and the vice versa, like a woman being able to look up to a man and say to me, Man, he's strong and I want to be like that because that's my personality type and I wanna follow that. Like I think there has to be this like this really, really like cohesive, um, I was like, I guess like an agreement. I, I guess I'm not really sure what I'm saying. Like a marriage, I, I guess I was trying to avoid the word marriage, but a marriage between those kind of like feelings against those mm-hmm. personality types and the typical stereotypes that can come with them. Like they need to be removed from gender and put more into, that's a great personality type. I love that. I want to model after that.
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, I love it. It's so true because the more self-awareness we have about our personality and our communication styles, that is true whether we're speaking to a man or a woman in our life. And no matter who we are, we need to know that because I think we make a lot of issues into a gender issue when it doesn't have to be, when it's really just, uh, oh, you see the world this way because of your personality and I'm the opposite.
2: Right. Right.
0: Or we're exactly the same and we're both type A and neither one of us are backing down. Now what?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that like I came into out of this, like during this season that is probably like so, so taboo to even say, and I'm sorry if it's even kind of off topic, but was like in that same vein, like there's always the pressure of like, you know, the man needs to be the spiritual leader of the home. Like that's the way it's supposed to be. And in a lot of ways, I do semi agree with that. But after going through what I went through with like mental breakdowns and severe anxiety, like and watching my wife lead our family,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because I couldn't, like mm-hmm. there was, there was a large season where I was just trash. <laughs> I was like not worth a dime to my family. And I tried really hard. I didn't give up or anything. Mm-hmm. But like to step back and all of a sudden see, it's like, I'm not the spiritual leader in my family right now. She's like carrying us through mm-hmm. and That to me. Like, I guess that's where like the, I learned like this amazing balance between like male and female leadership is that it's never one that has to have the upper hand. It's one that can, it can like ebb and flow. Like there's certain seasons where she's not feeling a hundred percent and like I'm taking the lead and I'm carrying us through. But then there's that one season where I'm like, I'm sorry, like, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore, because I just suffer all day long. And I don't understand it. And she's like, it's okay. Like, and she has faith in those moments. I'm like, man, what a woman, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, that, sorry, that that might have been a a random one, but... I
0: think that's great though, because it's true. I think in marriage, there are times where you share the responsibilities and there are different seasons where you have to let each other lead. I mean, yeah. my husband and I will have been married 18 years this summer. Yeah. At first of all, I don't know where the time went. I don't feel awesome. like we've been yeah. together that long, but yeah. also, I just don't feel like I'm that old. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I look at it and we have a lot of things happening now in our lives where, you know, we're looking to purchase a home again. We haven't owned a home for 10 years. And when we owned a home, we were severely in debt by the end of it. And our marriage wasn't that great. I mean, we were kind of going through a very desperate season. And now it's it's realizing, okay, we're not the same people. We've learned different lessons. But paying attention to the things that are triggering me of like, okay, but I'm kind of scared that we're going to fall back into that if we get you know, a two level house versus a one level, like we're going to both be on a separate levels and we're going to have problems again. And being able to talk about that and let each other voice your concerns, but also realize that throughout, you know, growing closer together, there have been seasons where he led 100% of the way. There's other seasons where it's like, I've been a little bit more of a leader in certain areas and you have to be willing to do that in marriage. Cause that's just life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
0: <laughs> so when you talk about, you know, stepping into this season where you were having constant panic attacks, when you and I first met would have been, what was that? Like 2013, maybe uh, 2013. Uh-huh. Okay. So I had actually just walked out of a season like that. Um, like 2012 was when I Stepped out of that season of constant panic attacks that happened for about two years, but they really just sped closer and closer together and more of them the first like four months of 2012. And ever since then, I still get some, but I can usually tell when they're going to come and they're triggered by the time of year or by hearing other people going through similar situations. So I know what's going to trigger me typically, so I can at least... Prepare my mindset and clear my schedule as needed if my body needs more rest. Um, and the interesting thing that that I'm curious about because now that you're on the other side of that, what is it like stepping back into finding yourself after that season? Because for me, when when you and I first met, I was in this season of Yay, I got my life back. I'm feeling good again. I I only live once like I I'm so happy to be alive still through all of that that I'm just going to dive 100% into what I think I'm supposed to do and the gifts and talents God has given me and through that is when I encountered some toxic leaders that unfortunately were in a church and I think the hardest part about that was realizing they didn't um, they didn't edify me as as somebody who could be a leader or who was and just needed to grow their skills. Um, but it was two of them in particular, which oddly enough were women, not men. None of the men ever said this to me, but just flat out told me or told people behind my back they I shouldn't be a leader. And I think it was so confusing because I came out of this season where I'm so thankful to be alive. The panic attacks are almost gone and i just feel thankful for being here and being able to use my gifts and talents and then to have have that just kind of torn down from people that you respected and considered mentors was really disheartening and so my i'm just curious for you what's it like to step back into that and how are you resolving what it was like to maybe be on staff if situations like that happened
1: yeah um so I- very interesting like that we have like pretty similar uh, very similar like stories in that but like for me coming out of that like I spent so much time being told what I could be and what I couldn't be that like I didn't know what I was so like I think that's where it started that disillusion of like this is who I am like because I I mean when I walked into this career I was certain I was like this is who I am this is what I'm meant to do like people have prophesied and giving me these words and said all these great things and then you go into this other thing you're like that's not who you are like this isn't who you are mm-hmm. this is who you are this is what you're supposed to do and you're like oh oh okay like and then like because you're learning like for me I was like I started being a worship pastor I think when I was 24 I think
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so like you're still the your 20s are still such like an open like everything is still learning. You're still trying to figure out life. I'm in my thirties now and I'm still trying to figure out life, but like in your twenties, like you're just being shaped. So I don't I think ahead.
0: that stops. I'm almost 40 yeah. and it's, I'm still figuring out.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm learning now that like, I don't think I'll ever understand anything and I'm okay with that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's been a huge part of like the journey is becoming okay with that, but like going through that and you're just being thrown all over the place. You need to lead this, you need to do this, you need to act this way. You need to believe this. You need to Whatever it is you want to put on that kind of list, you create like, you just blow up your mindset. You don't even have a mindset anymore. You just have a, oh my God, what is going on? Like, what do I do? I'm Mm -hmm. panicking now because I don't, what was supposed to be easy is now so much more confusing that I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. And so I think that carried me into so much like disarray with no like solid foundation for my life for my belief in myself or anything that came out of all of those seasons, like with no like hope. I didn't think I would ever amount to anything because I was always told you're not doing this right, or you need to do this right, or you need to be this person or whatever. And so where I kind of started finding resolve with that and the healing that came from it was learning, which is really hard for me because I don't know how into the Enneagram you are. Like I'm obsessed with the Enneagram and I love it so much. Um, And I'm an Enneagram too. So like my whole thing is like, you don't like me? Give me 24 hours. You will be my best friend. I'll do whatever (laughs) you need me to do. Like I'm ready to make you my best friend. Yep. Like I have that issue going for me. And so one of the hardest things learning as I like started just studying my personality, figuring out who I was and like really taking that time Um, was learning to just not listen to anybody anymore. (laughs)
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Like when people had something to say to me, it's not that I was just like, I I don't care what you have to say because I don't trust you. It it was like, okay, I'll listen, but I'm going to really, really weigh this one out and like like really chew on it to make sure that it's something that I believe, not something that you say, well, because I prophesied it over you, it's supposed to happen. (laughs) Because that's not real. (laughs) Right. Like, You have to like weigh those things and really trust and know that ultimately you're your own compass and you have a really good idea of what's best for you. And so I started learning. I went through therapy. Therapy was so good. Like counseling Mm -hmm. therapy. I don't care whatever form you choose to go after. I did neurofeedback, which is like the coolest thing I've ever experienced and brought so much healing to my life.
0: So how is that different from like EMDR therapy?
1: Well, what's EMDR again?
0: I don't remember what it stands for. I, uh, I, I just know some people that are going through it and I know it's a really intense form of like rewiring your, your memories. Like you're not, okay. it's not like hypnotizing, but yeah. it is giving you a chance to choose to believe something different yeah. um, from the memories that have been traumatic for you.
1: Okay. So neurofeedback is, I think is different than that because um, it pairs like counseling with like brain therapy. Okay. But it's like, it's, it's like, I could nerd out on this all day. Cause it was the coolest thing. It's made. so like,
0: fascinating.
1: They like scan your brain. They see which areas of your brain are high functioning, low functioning or unhealthy. Like you get a brain map and everything. And then you just go into counseling and then you <laughs> talk like you do to a counselor. And then when they're done with that, they put like all these wires on your head and then you just pick a movie that you want to watch. I was like, Nerding out the whole time watching like Star Wars and Harry Potter (laughs) and like everything that I just wanted to sit and watch because I don't get to do that because I have kids now. So (laughs) um and like you just watch this movie and the screen like contorts, it like expands, contracts, it gets distorted, the volume kind of changes and goes up and down. And basically what they're doing is retaining your subconscious. So like as you're watching it and your brain sees this happen, and then the screen corrects, your subconscious, which is really powerful but also kind of the dumb part of your brain Mm -hmm. it like sees it it's like ah I fixed that and so then it's utilizing that area and like customizing it to your brain map so that it's like triggering certain areas of your brain to bring health back to it
2: Mm -hmm.
1: which is crazy because I did it for almost a year and when I got my brain map back like it was all healthy again and I was like oh my gosh (laughs) That is is awesome.
0: This is fascinating. I love learning about stuff like this. Also, just disclosure, I probably totally botched what EMDR therapy totally is. So just go Google it. If you don't know what it is. I know um, my business partner and bestie has gone through it. And I've known a lot of people that go through it And some, some, you have to be ready for it. I think that's true for a lot of different therapy, but especially for something like that. This sounds like it's kind of fun though, because you just yeah. <laughs> get to see it in like a map version and you just have to sit there and watch TV. That sounds kind of fun. It was
1: cool. Yeah. And it does like, cause it, it really, what it did when I went through it is it really brought up like old memories that I've like buried down deep Wow! again with my personality type, it's the man, I'm going through some hard stuff right now, but this person that I love with all my heart is going through some hard stuff too. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and bury my problems and focus on them because that brings me joy.
0: Right. Which is not healthy.
1: No, not at all. (laughs) Um, And so like, it it really did. It triggered memories from like, I had like specific memories from like third and fourth grade and stuff like Mm -hmm. that that popped up like, certain situations where I just remember being so heartbroken by the reaction of a friend or like some kids or the way I felt in circumstances that are playing out in my life now like mm-hmm. oh like forever later here I am like still seeing those emotions come out and I'm like oh my gosh that's where it started mm-hmm. and like I started remembering them and I had to like sit down and basically like write letters to myself or to a person and mm-hmm. like get those thoughts and like really bring peace to that situation, but, um, going to, yeah, back uh, to just kind of like the finding healing was that, um, and I just feel like I, like, I should just say like going to counseling, just start there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's literally, you cannot go wrong going to counseling. There's nothing wrong whatsoever. Like remove all stigmas that you've ever thought about anybody going to counseling and just think about the fact that you're going to feel so good once you go somewhere. And you can talk to a stranger that you've never met and say, like, these are all of my deepest, darkest secrets that make me so sad. And then they'll never be heard of again. <laughs> like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: They'll just stay there and they're like, don't go anywhere else. And it's so mm-hmm. freeing. But to find that, like, you find yourself in those moments when you can be truthfully, like, just fully honest with someone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, like, I started there and that's been, like, a huge journey in and of itself. But... I questioned so much about what I was raised up in, in religion. Um, I grew up ag, So like, I grew up like pretty strict, you know,
0: same, same. I,
1: every, <laughs> every year the rapture was about to happen. Like, yes. I saw the gate in 98. Like <laughs> yeah. they, there was like a label for everything. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, like, so restrictive. I used to go to bed every night, like praying and accepting Jesus in my heart again. Cause I thought, because I said crap, like I was going mm-hmm. to hell for sure. Like so, so impressive, and I had to like blow all of that up. Mm -hmm. So like, I went on a long journey of just going back through everything I've ever learned. And I was like, I don't believe that. I don't Mm -hmm. believe that. And then I would go through grief and be like, Do I believe that though? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. but they told me. But like, learning what you actually believe again, Mm -hmm. I think is the biggest key of that. I guess.
0: I think so too. I know for me, like my husband and I have have had long seasons where we didn't go to any church at all. And right now we're maybe looking for a new one, but I I especially love just watching some, there's some churches that I love to watch online. I love Stephen Furtick. I love how real he is with things. And at the same time, I realize that if I were a part of that church, I might not enjoy it so much because I do, I'm the type of personality where when I see inconsistencies with what people say versus what they're doing, that that makes me mad. and And it makes me want to be like, we should be living higher than that. Like we yeah. <laughs> should at least be working on it instead of just going around and saying, "We've got it all figured out." So um, right now, we're not going to church, but i I have found that when I'm questioning, well, I usually just go spend time in the Bible and read like different, versions of the Bible because that really opens up new questions. It's not like it necessarily always gives me a better understanding, but it opens up a lot of questions because I think there's so much that we don't know, especially when it comes to God and what what He wants and and what He has planned for the earth and how things are in our culture today versus how they were before. I think There's a lot to be said for being willing to have conversations with people who have different beliefs than you because you're going to learn something. And that's one of my favorite things is to learn. I love having conversations with people that don't have faith and I never go into it trying to like convert them because I want to understand the world from the way that they see it. And, and it gives me things to think about, not that it's making me question my own faith, but it does, it does bring up interesting conversations between me and God. Like, okay, Lord, how, how does that work? Um, And, and so for that, I think I'm really thankful for the seasons where I've had to question. I'm really thankful that I've learned that God can handle that. Um, because I grew up AG as well. I, and, you know, I even went to I was Baptist for a while when I was a kid. That's where Rachel and I actually met. Was at a Baptist uh, Bible camp, awesome. and um, there's so many good things that you learn from that. But there are a lot of toxic church culture things across the board. Doesn't matter which denomination or religion you're in, you have to be willing to question things and learn how to trust yourself. Because I think it it's no wonder that there are issues in churches if leadership is making it seem like you can't do anything without their approval. All that's doing is setting up sheep-minded people who don't know how to think for themselves.
1: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um it is it's tough to like navigate those things too, because um because I mean like there is like this. Unspoken respect for like leadership, like just like at Mm -hmm. a job that you have, like you walk into your job and you're like, I respect my boss, I honor my boss, and all of these things. But it's tough when it's in a. I think what makes it really tough in the church mindset is that like you can't always carry the corporate values into a church, even though like it operates often like a a corporate like entity, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But like it is like you're saying, like it causes that sheep mindset, which is I. I had this weird thought and different take on the whole, like leaves the 99 for the one thing, one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if it was ever uh, just had me ousted from the church or what, but <laughs> like I, I had this, like this vision in my head, seeing that like God actually really enjoys the one because the one is the one that breaks out of the barriers. And the 99, are the one that stay in the safe haven. And they're like, this is good. I'm good. I don't have to mm-hmm. do anything. And to me, a lot of that time shows, like, a picture of, like, what church looks like today, which is, like, if I just go there and I just do this, I'm, I'm good. Like, everything's going to be fine. But then the one's like, but what if there's more? And then they run out. And I told my, I told a friend of mine in this in Texas once, and it was really cool the way you responded with it because he wasn't like, oh, dude, that's so messed up that you would even think about that. The one is the sinner who broke out and went and lived the crazy life. He's the prodigal son that ran away. Well, guess what? The prodigal son was rejoiced in. He was welcomed in he got a party thrown from him. But in the context of like the one that leaves and Jesus will chase after that one, my friend told me he's like, Do you realize that like whenever a shepherd gets a lost sheep and brings him back, he puts him over his shoulder. And when he does that, he has it because he's an earshot. It's almost like he can give him like that advice, like talk to that sheep and be like, Hey, don't do that. Like, I see what you're doing. That's cool. Let's have a conversation about it. And like he gave me this new perspective on it. It's like, I think he enjoys the questions. I think he enjoys when it's like, I don't know if I still like this or not. I'm going to go like chase this. And he's like, that's fine. I'll find you. Like, we'll talk about it or something, you know, (laughs) like kind of taking like a different mindset on it versus just being like, no, you got to be like the 99. You're Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm going to be the guy that ran off and tried something different. And then God was like, that was great. I applaud your effort. Let's talk about it and let's Mm -hmm. figure it out now. (laughs) Like we got a long walk back because you did something stupid, but (laughs) <laughs> I'm proud of you. Like, let's talk about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love that visual. It, there's something very peaceful about that. Um, I've never heard it that way, but I'm going to see it that way from now on because I think it's true. Um, one of the things that when you sent this in to me, I was just like, yes, that's it. You said um, when, when I asked what are some of the the lessons that you've learned Um, You said that when your religion creates a toxic mindset in you, it's okay to question every damn inch of it. And I love that because it's true. And I think that is what the one does. And there are more people that are the one than we realize. And in my six years of working with people in a coaching leadership environment in my own company, since all of that happened, I have met so many people who are that one they're the one that are ousted by the church because of something that they did or said. They are the ones that are left out, uninvited, and they all struggle with, what did I do wrong just because I had a question? Right. Just because I saw things differently and I spoke up um, and I think that's something that any, any leader in a church right now that's listening to this, our heart is not to bash anybody, but it is a conversation that needs to happen because it's happening. People are being severely soul wounded. It's not a, it's, it's not even an emotional issue. I don't think anymore. It's a, it's a wounding at a soul level that some people struggle even having a relationship with God because of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah I think that's why you see a lot of like our age range dying off out in the church like they're they're just leaving by like large numbers and just quitting because they're like, no, I don't need this like i I don't want like they have questions, which is so good, but if you mm-hmm. want to see like a very like clear depiction of like where toxicity is and like a I just thought of Britney Spears for some reason. I just really wanted to sing that song, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm toxic. Yeah. You're toxic.
0: I'm sticking a in.
1: <laughs> Yeah, she she just made that word so much better. Um, right? Uh, but like, if you want to see like a point of toxic in like church culture, it's have a question. And if that question causes so much disruption that they can't answer it in like a respectful, loving manner, even if you're 100% wrong and there's a great answer for it, but if it's, like, met with, like, the opposition of anger and disrespect and, like, really, like you're saying, like, going almost directly to the soul of who you are and, like, crushing that because you're like, I'm curious about this. And they're like, no, you're so wrong. God does not do that. That is awful. Why would you even say that? And you're like, oh, I'm never going to ask a question again.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: like, in my opinion, at least, is that if you believe in something so much, a question shouldn't phase you. A question Mm -hmm. shouldn't make you think like, oh, what a disrespectful little twerk. Like, I got to get him out of here. I got to make an example of him. Right. Shouldn't Like, I don't think that that ever should be the approach of it. Like, I I think that Jesus even like approached everybody that questioned him in love Mm -hmm. and gave him a respectful answer and probably had good dialogue over it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. even if he was correcting them. But it shouldn't be something that throws you off so much that you're like, get him out. We don't yes. need them here anymore. They're right? they're toxic to our culture, and you're like, no, right? they're not. This or, is what you want,
0: or how dare they leave? We need to we need to punish them. They need to be taken yeah. off of everything because. And are there situations where that needs to happen in leadership? Absolutely, but those are very like high moral failings.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like some pretty, pretty intense stuff. <laughs> right.
0: Like, I mean, it, you have to be making the news for almost going to jail or or actually going to jail yeah. in order for something like that to be um, taken into account. And most yeah. of the time, it's, it's miscommunication at its finest and offense and jealousy and a whole bunch of other things
1: underneath. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was sitting here thinking about this as you were talking and um, I think it's, I think it's so fascinating that so many people are going through this and my hope is that they're encouraged by the fact that yes, a question is totally okay and that, you know, they do get from, from your story and your vulnerability, how important it is to lean into the questions and to lean into your own journey of mental health. Um, now that you're on the other side of this and, and we're sharing all the things on the podcast, what do you think are like maybe one or two lessons that you would hope somebody would walk away from from this conversation?
1: Um, I mean, first and foremost, definitely like question everything. Like it doesn't mean like never trust anything, but like feel free to go in with questions to anything that like, if it's something longstanding in your life, if it's a brand new journey that you're walking into. Always walk like walk in with like wide eyed wonder, and be like, "What is this? Like, mm-hmm. I want to know everything about this." Like, mm-hmm. you want to know what you're getting yourself into or what you're a part of, and there's never a wrong question. And I think that that's a huge thing that we all miss is that we just don't want to question because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but. You have to question for your own self like so that you're taking care of yourself first because you're worthless to everybody else if you're not in a good place-
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I don't want to say that in the harshest that. it seems a really harsh way to say it, but you know what I mean like
2: but it's
0: true, especially if you are a leader, like you have to be willing to handle other people's questions and you can't do that until you handle your own yeah and your own yeah. emotions,
1: definitely I agree totally, and because that's why I had to stop like I quit being in leadership because I was not I was pouring out so much that I had nothing left to give back to myself and that's so so dangerous Mm -hmm. and it like I think that's why it took me so long to get out of what I was in is because I had to like focus fully on myself for like three four years or something
2: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) so um but yeah so and then I would also say like like go to counseling I can't like, I am just like such a huge advocate for counseling and being vulnerable and like looking for help in the right places. Mm -hmm. Um, Figure out what works for you. Like it could just be like just flat out counseling and just like a one-on-one counseling session. It could be doing neurofeedback. It could be doing uh, there's so many out there, Mm -hmm. but like I tried, I think two or three different ones. So I landed on neurofeedback and like, I know it seems like kind of a cop-out way to like say like something that I want people to take away, but Mental health has become so important in my life that like I encourage people like married couples, single people, like it doesn't matter like what your situation is, go to counseling. Even if you feel great today, go to counseling, mm-hmm. like, just go, who cares? Like always check in and make sure that you're doing okay with yourself because, and the best way to do it, I think is going with someone who's a licensed professional and like knows exactly how to navigate that with you. And mm-hmm. You could walk in and be like, man, today was the best day ever. And you'd be like, okay, let's talk about that. And you'll walk out and it'll be an even better day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If your marriage is in shambles, go to counseling. If it's great, go to counseling. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Like you can't go at a wrong time and just remove that like mindset that it's like you're going to get worse because you went to it or something. Mm Yeah.
0: there's such a stigma to it that, and, and there definitely was generations ago. And I think now we're realizing it's it's such a needed, um, it's a needed tool and a resource. and But yet I think there are still people that still look at it through that lens of there's something wrong with you if you go. There's not. I go to counseling now. I've had times where I I seasons where I don't go and seasons where I right. do. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've learned is when you are a leader, whatever that looks like, I mean, you're a leader just being in a marriage, like that's just part of life is at one point you're going to have to lead your spouse in some way or another no matter if you're a husband or a wife, it doesn't doesn't matter. And I I appreciate that you brought up the fact that you know you had poured out so much that you had nothing left to give and I think that's something I've been struggling with. For the last year, probably, Um, it's much better the last like four months because I started going to counseling again. And what I've noticed is there are days where I go and I'm like, I'm not even sure what we're going to talk about. And we just start talking about everything. And what I realized is it's just for me right now, somebody to listen to me because I spend all this time listening to other people and coaching them through. And it's not their job to listen to my problems, so they don't know other than what I share in a public yeah. way of what I might be struggling with. And when I do share it, it's simply to let people know they're not alone, and here's what's working for me. It's not, oh, let me tell you all my woes, like it's or my woes, whatever you say.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> and so for me, it's really helpful, and I realize, oh gosh, I got to go every month at least because it just gives me a chance to talk and somebody else to listen and ask me questions. That normally aren't asked of me because that's, that's not somebody else's job. Right. And we have to be willing to do that. And then at the same time on a spiritual side, um, when you were talking about asking questions, I couldn't help but think of David in the Psalms. And I never understood the Psalms until I went through my own season of panic and PTSD and anxiety and there are, there are Psalms where he looks like a schizophrenic. And like at the beginning of it, he is sitting there complaining. And by the end of it, he's telling his soul, don't worry. Like, don't don't be worrisome or, or you know, don't be sad. And he's, he's basically encouraging himself. And if you just look at that from the get-go and you've never gone through anything yourself yet, yeah, it can be kind of like, oh, look, he's, he's focusing on the good. But no, when you're going through it, you understand the turmoil that he wrote about. And I think that is proof that God can handle it.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And because I think you and I have in some similarities, like the same story with the the fire mm-hmm. that we both experienced fires and loss and stuff like that. Yeah. And to like, kind of bring that all together is like, you know, I lived like a, I had a really easy going life that I thought I had like growing up and I had a great family my parents were so awesome and raised us in a good home and like we never felt like there was turmoil that we had fully experienced Mm -hmm. and then even all the way up until like the last probably like five years six years or so that like I didn't realize like what was going on in my life and to like journey through all of that stuff and then suddenly start experiencing uh, anxiety panic attacks I was diagnosed with PTSD after we had our fire Mm -hmm. and like the stuff that came with that like it really is like you you have to learn to grieve um, and I think that's like what David does in those songs mm-hmm. is like, he, he has his way of grieving was through his writing and mm-hmm. his songs. Like, I would love to be able to like actually hear those to a melody. Cause it would be super right? interesting to see. Oh, like.
0: that would be so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like to actually like know where his heart was in those moments. Cause like music and melodies can paint such an incredible picture of that mm-hmm. emotion. But reading the words alone, like you, you learn to do that yourself because Man, I can't even count how many times where I, like, I just went on a drive up to the mountains and, like, Mm -hmm. just literally swore at God. And there's just, like, you're a croc. Like, you don't exist. You don't care about me. You don't care about my family. I've done all this stuff for you. And what have you done for me? Mm -hmm. And then I'll sit there and, like, just find, like, this deep pain and emotion and sometimes just weep. And then at the end of it, be like, I know that you're looking after me. And I know that I don't believe any of the stuff that I just said, but I had to say it. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I feel like that's like the David mantra is like that. I got to say some things real quick, but I still trust you.
0: <laughs> right. It is. It absolutely is. And I think that's even more relatable than reading through Job because Job is a little bit hard to figure out. Okay. Who's saying, what are these, his friends? Did he just say this? Like you really yeah. have to pay attention. Um, but I, I do there. The Psalms were kind of my safe haven when I had no other safe haven. Yeah. And just writing that on my heart was basically all I could do. I didn't even know if I believed it, Um, but I just dug in because it felt safe. It felt like comfort. And I think that's, that's what we don't realize when we do grow up in great families and we, we don't experience that much turmoil. I mean, for me, people are like, Oh, you poor thing. You've grown up with cystic fibrosis. Well, yeah, but I had, I had, a really healthy experience, and great parents, and they taught me to be responsible, so yeah, my turmoil didn't really start until two thousand and ten, like yeah. I had lived <laughs> I had lived some life by then, and that rocked me more than cF ever did and so yeah. um because you do when you grow up in that environment, you do kind of think that you're indestructible,
1: yeah, and definitely.
0: that nothing can touch you
1: uh-huh. There's a hedge of protection around you,
0: <laughs> right? But but also that means the fire is on the other side of it. Like exactly. that hedge yeah. of protection is there, right. but there's also other aspects coming at you, and we we forget to see that. And then then life happens, and what do we do with that? Like we don't yeah. we don't handle it well as human beings.
1: No, well, and I think like depending on your upbringing, like for myself, like being brought up in the Christian way that I was. I wasn't equipped for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it, to me, it's like similar to going through elementary school and never being taught how to do your taxes. Like you get out and you're like, right. what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Like, yeah. I didn't learn how to do that. Like y'all just set me free in this like crazy world. And like, you're right. not equipped for it because you could just think that you could walk into like a, you know, a public school campus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Somebody say something mean to you and you're like, in the name of Jesus, don't say that. And they're like, uh, I'm going to beat you up now. And right, it doesn't work. Like, So yeah, I mean, it's just, I, yeah, I don't know why I said
2: that. I
0: I appreciate that you did. I just posted something on Facebook today um, because, you know, we're recording this on a day when coronavirus has hit North Dakota and the governor went on and uh, gave an official statement. And um, just in conversations that I've had with people, you know, there's some people that are like, yeah, but I don't want to live my life in fear. And I get that, but it's it's similar to... um, Kind of the Christianese thing that people say, like, "Oh, I'm going to pray for you," or "Just pray about it," or "Have more faith." That's my favorite, because <laughs> what I think people don't realize is that prayer and faith are not devoid of responsibility.
2: Right.
0: You still need to utilize wisdom. You still need to um, activate the the things that you can do. I mean. Sometimes growing up in this, in this Christian culture, you get the idea that God is a genie in a bottle and that's not how it works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Uh, It's we've been trying to navigate like using the coronavirus as the example because it's, it's the hot button topic right now. I mean, it's a Mm -hmm. real thing that's going on. Right. Is that like, at first we're like, Oh, it's fine. Like it's not gonna be that big of a deal. And then you start seeing it play out. Like, I like, it's true, like, you should be active in, in whatever your belief may be and whatever that stance may be. in mine is to, like, worship should be praying and, like, for things to resolve, for, like, scientists to find something mm-hmm. to help battle that. Like, do I believe in a healing God? Yes, I do. Do I believe in the fact that disease exists in our world? Yeah, I do. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And that sucks. But that's why he... Develop people like scientists because they're the ones that are saving us all right now.
0: Right. Yeah. So like
1: praying for those people who are trying to figure that out and like using your wisdom and not just being all like willy-nilly and like touching everything that you see and being like, it's fine. I'm not gonna wash my hands or do anything. Like, all right, well, you got coronavirus. That's your own fault. Yeah. God it wasn't like God was like, Oh, I'm gonna remove the hedge of protection now. You got coronavirus. Mm -hmm. It's more like, No, why did you do that? That was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, just like learning learning how to exist in the world without those like fluttery mindsets that we used to be given like you'll always walk through your life with favor. No, I mean mm-hmm. like we've had some great favor. And then we lost everything we owned in a fire and we didn't mm-hmm. do anything. <laughs> like what?
0: At, at the same time on that whole topic of favor, I could talk to you for hours. I think we have fascinating <laughs> conversations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we will end this episode soonish, I promise. But um on that same topic of favor, um I think we, we misunderstand what favor looks like. And we think that favor means it's all going to work according to plan. And we're just going to be wealthy and healthy and all the things in between. And that's not what favor is. I mean, favor can sometimes come in the package of horrible things.
1: Yeah. Which I'm so glad you said that because, uh, I'm gonna rest, reference our fire again, but like
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean it was awful. there was nothing good about that circumstance mm-hmm. as we were going through it, but in the long run when we looked back, like we were so thankful of like the outcome of what happened in that mm-hmm. like you ours was just like nuts like waking up in the early days like I mean it was like six am and somebody was pounding on our door and like, you gotta get out the townhomes are on fire. we're like, oh God and so oh, we gosh. gathered all of our stuff and we were out and then next thing you know we had to like walk without anywhere to go because our vehicles were trapped and everything and like seeing that scenario play out was probably in just like a week we we got stuck in like a hotel for a month but that first Mm -hmm. week was just like what are we gonna do Mm -hmm. we have two kids like one's just a tiny little baby the other one is our son zion's on the autism spectrum and he does like therapies all day long pretty much and we're like how are we going to do therapy what are we gonna do with a dog in a hotel? Like all of these questions. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna find a place to live? And we gotta get all this new stuff. Is insurance gonna cover anything? And next thing you know, like just within like a blink of an eye, everything worked out better than it could have ever had. It shifted our whole track of like where we are going in life. Mm-hmm. Like a new job popped up. It's how I started with the perfect workout is that, like, out of nowhere, this opportunity came up. And I was like, that's fine. I'll just do it. Like, we need something right now. And right. next thing you know, it's like, this is where I'm at. And I'm like, I love my career. I love doing what's, like, what I get to do. Mm-hmm. Like, all these crazy things, just, like, the unfolding of it to me, it was just like, man, mm-hmm. just can't, like, count every bad circumstance as, like, the end-all, be-all. But you can't just always walk in life being like, I have favored. Nothing bad will ever happen to me. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so,
0: right. Yeah. And we, I appreciate you sharing that about the fire because when I hear other people having fires, it triggers me. Like I don't, I don't really know what to say in the moment. And I think that's okay. Like I've, I've learned that sometimes being able to be a voice of encouragement weeks or months later is needed more than at the moment, because in the moment, there's a lot of people that are rising up like, Oh, how can we help you? There's some people that are rising up saying silly things at the same time, Um, (laughs) because you don't really know, like people feel like they have to say something. So they don't realize that sometimes just being quiet and sitting with you is okay. Right. Um, And so in that respect, you can kind of make things worse unintentionally. But um, I think the hardest part about that is knowing like, the rebuilding stage after a fire isn't easy. People would say stuff to, to us. I don't know if they said this to you, but, oh, it must be nice to buy all new things. And I'm thinking, <laughs> have you ever stood in Walmart in the middle of the night trying to remember if you need underwear and a toothbrush and making sense of things? Like, it's not fun.
1: No, no. It, I'm in laughing fact, because I'm remembering this, I know, right?
0: <laughs> no, I get it. It's. I mean, you have to laugh sometimes too because you don't think about these things. But I just remember thinking, I, I don't even know what I need. And for yeah. us, I mean, we thought we had lost our dog in the fire, hmm. so I'm not sure what I was grieving more—the loss of my sense of home and security—or my. It was probably my dog at the time, but right. at the same time, we saw God answer some prayers in really cool ways, like. I remember just thanking God for the time that we had our dog. Cause she was like my kid and yeah. I didn't expect her to make it through. Like I was 100% sure she had died in the fire. And so I was just horribly let down and sad about that. And by, by midnight that night, we got a call that they had found her. She was fine. She never had any health issues. She went on to live uh, six and a half more years after that. That's awesome. um, and so that was awesome. The other thing that we saw was, um, the only thing we wanted back besides our dog was Nate's wedding ring. Cause he was a contractor. So he didn't wear it when he was yeah. working and we found that, um, and something really cool happened for us when we went back in to see what was salvageable. We, I had been writing on all of these marker boards cause I love writing words of faith. I love speaking them. I yeah. have learned, you know, just because you speak them doesn't mean they're going to happen just like that, but it does help you focus on what you can control. and and focus on what you're going to focus on. Um, And one of the things that I wrote was a Bible verse from Philippians. I think it was 419. I might be off a number, but it was, My God will supply all my needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I wrote that on a marker board the morning of our fire. And I had like three of these marker boards throughout the whole thing. And the other two were like a melted mess. But when we walked in, the first thing that we saw um, among all of the ashes was this marker board with this vibrant neon ink on it. And that's what was on it. That's awesome. And it was leaning (laughs) up against the wall and it was like welcoming us across the threshold. Um, It was the coolest moment because it was just a reminder, like among all the destruction, my God will supply my needs. And he did. And that's favor, but it didn't come wrapped like I thought it would.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like the mindset that needs to be changed is that you know, pretty much forbidding what you just said. It's not like, it's not what it always, like what you think it's going to look like. It's not what you've been taught. It's going to look like You just have to welcome it in whatever form it decides to come back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh, if we could go on and on and on, but um, let's, maybe we'll have another conversation someday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where can my listeners find your music and find you um, online?
1: Um, my music's on Spotify and Amazon and iTunes as well. Um, all the normal places, pretty much. Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all like the typical social medias.
0: Are you under <laughs> um, Jonathan Stark or is it under?
1: It's, uh, two it's names? a whole different array. Uh, I think Facebook, if you want to find the music page, it's just facebook.com slash Jonathan Stark Music. And then my Twitter handle, I believe, I, I, let's just not worry about Twitter. I never use that anyway. So uh, Instagram <laughs> is just plain and simple, John Stark, J-O-N-S-T-A-R-K.
0: I love that. I don't use Twitter either. I do go on there to read things, but I don't actually yeah, socialize on it.
1: That's about what I do. I yep. thought about tweeting the other day, and then I just didn't do it because I realized I don't care. <laughs> yep,
0: me neither. I love I love hanging out on Instagram. I'm liking Facebook less and less. It's just yeah. too much. So, Way too much. Yeah. yeah,
1: Instagram seems to be the the safe place right now. Mm-hmm. Twitter's like just a bunch of jargon. Facebook is a bunch of jargon, and
0: Instagram Instagram's is still just,
1: fun. Yeah, there's just a bunch of funny stories and happy mm-hmm. pictures. Uh, I guess that's good. So <laughs> yes,
0: okay. The last question that I always ask people before I ask this, actually, I just want to tell all my listeners go download his music for real. Like if you ever need music for a nostalgic, like pour yourself some coffee and just revel in memories type of music. That is what Jonathan's music is. I absolutely love it. So seriously, go look up. You have, you have a full album and then a couple singles, right?
1: Do Yes, ma'am.
0: Yes. So I've, I have them all. I, I listen to them all, so I highly <laughs> recommend them. But my final that. question that I ask all of my listeners is, if you were a shoe, what would you be and why?
1: Okay. Uh, I believe that I would most likely be a Birkenstock sandal. Because um, I, I'm hot by nature, so I need to be breathable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's somehow the classy sandal. So, like, I feel like you could show up and people be like, he's wearing sandals. But they look nice. That's all right. Um, <laughs> like, somehow it's acceptable, but also not. I'm not sure. Because I, I feel like that's who I am. Like, And I also feel like, because this is a story of Birkenstocks, like, if you've ever owned a pair, like, you know that you have to wear them and eventually like they get like super comfortable. So mm-hmm. my view of that is like, I'm kind of uncomfortable at first, maybe a little bit awkward a human being, but just give it some time and we'll be best friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Birkenstocks, that's a good choice for you. I would agree for all the think, reasons. Like you have a, you have a pretty good concept of yourself, I think.
1: Yeah. I, I had to think about that one for a little bit. And I think that that really lands on my personality. <laughs> That's a good one. I never thought I would say that. But yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you so much for sharing your insight and giving my listeners a lot to think about and hopefully some encouragement on their own journey, especially when it comes to their spiritual life and with God
1: yeah, and thank leadership. You so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate you. I respect you. I've been so honored by your friendship and just what you guys are doing with Raymond right now and just the incredible impact that it has. in. The quality of what you guys are doing is incredible. So I commend you guys for that. And I'm so thankful for y'all and what you do.
0: Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to us. Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks again for listening. I'll be back with another episode for you next week. But for now, if you would take a moment and write a review or subscribe to the podcast, That would mean the world to me. I also want to give a shout out to my very handsome husband, Mr. Nate Anderson, for editing this podcast. For more information, go to www.raymateam.com. That's www.raymateam.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram under the name Ms. Mandy B. Anderson. Oh, and one last thing. I hope you heard something today that gave you the courage to rise up and overcome that thing that you've been facing. You're stronger than you think.
2: I'll see you next week.